0: Typically, we don't hear people say we don't know what the experience is going to be like because they have that option to try. So, in that case, they'll try us out. We'll see if they like it. They maybe try a couple times before they choose to subscribe.
1: Welcome to Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space share their best tips and stories and learn how you can up level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is Shelly Gupta, who is the founder and CEO of Bake It Box. Shelly, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, excited to learn more, but why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to start Bake It Box.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. I'm Indian by heritage and spent most of my career actually in real estate and in finance. I was eager to kind of get back to school and do some strategy and entrepreneurship work, and that's what brought me to Chicago. I went to do my MBA at Chicago Booth and absolutely loved the city, loved the school, and ended up sticking around here in Chicago. been here now eight years, and I met my co-founder actually at Booth. She was a classmate and a very good friend of mine. Several years later, after different career paths and different jobs, we started Bakeybox. We were baking along with majority of the people on the planet during 2020 and just really acknowledge that there has not been innovation in the baking space, in baking from scratch and helping people make that easier in years and years, over hundred years since Betty Crocker was invented. And I just wanted to find a way to make a more relevant product, a more representative product of the population and give people more options.
1: So would you say the company was born out of COVID because you were baking and then you were like, why can't we just make a business out of this?
0: Absolutely. It was definitely a project within COVID and we launched in 2021.
1: Okay. All right. Well, talk us through, it's somewhat top of mind here. Like, How did you go from a hobby into a business? And then how did you take it from something that you're just doing at home on your own into something that is a actual recurring subscription product?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we really felt strongly about the fact that like, there really aren't a lot of easy solutions out there to bake from scratch. There are definitely lots of options out there for cake mixes or pre-mixed in mm-hmm. products, but when it comes from baking from scratch, most of the work is really done before you even enter the kitchen. You got to do all the research online, find the recipe, filter through the blogger life stories, which is totally a pet peeve of mine. And you just like want to get to the recipe. And then buying all the ingredients, you know, you end up wasting a lot of time and money in getting retail-sized products. Baking typically calls for many things, but in small quantities. So when we really I was going through this whole thing, flow of tasks that are done before you even get into the kitchen to start the fun part. And that's when I really acknowledged that there's got to be something here. So I did a lot of research up front on companies that provide kind of these at-home solutions, including meal kits, kids' activity boxes other subscription boxes, fashion, makeup, all those things, just to understand the market and discovered that really no one is providing these all-inclusive, culturally diverse kits. One of the major aspects that's important to me truly, especially given my background and my ethnicity is access to some different cultures as well. So we all love to bake brownies and chocolate cake, but there's so much more to baking that we just don't have access to. So that was a big part of why we wanted to create this. And in terms of like kind of the process, very grateful for Chicago-based incubator program here in Chicago called The Hatchery. I applied to their very early on. I just had an idea in my hand and, you know, some bullets in a Google Doc and applied to an incubator that was essentially starting food businesses. And we got accepted. And that was kind of my first step to see that, you know, this could be a viable business. So going through six months of this incubator Getting licenses, getting food sanitation certifications, understanding what it takes to work out of a shared kitchen and make sure I have, I'm certified to sell food product was really the first big hurdles and working with pastry chefs and culinary experts to understand what it takes to make baking, make the recipes we want to make very easy and user-friendly. We did all that in the first six months and launched in February of 2021. We were not a subscription box yet though at the time. So it did take another almost a year to get to the point where we were selling subscriptions.
1: So you didn't start subscription. You started by just selling the kit with all of the individual from scratch ingredients in it? Exactly, yes. Okay, so what then led to a subscription offering?
0: Yeah, so we were selling individual kits and customers could choose from a menu that would change every month or every two months. And we were noticing that many people were coming back month to month and purchasing the new recipes or even repeating their purchases. Clearly, they liked those recipes. And we noticed that there must be an opportunity here to incentivize people to subscribe. So we kind of tested that out a little bit in late 2021 around Halloween, like Thanksgiving time. And everyone that signed up were definitely interested in those holiday items. So we kind of did a pilot around that time of year to see what would be the cadence. Like how often are people baking? And is this something that people will do monthly, or is it more of a gift-giving opportunity? And we were finding that monthly or bi-monthly were super popular, because you could bake once a month with your kids or with your family, or if you don't have the time, you can always switch it to every other month. So we officially launched subscriptions March 2022, this year, and now we have options for a monthly box every other month or quarterly, so every three months, and you get two kits in that box. You could get three if you'd like, most people get two, and there's discounts and free shipping all included. So it really is an incentive to purchase more than once.
1: Interesting. So the subscribers then maybe also get access to or discounts on if they want to purchase additional kits?
0: Yes, absolutely. So they can purchase kits in their boxes according to the subscription with 10% off, and they don't pay for shipping. So, and you know, shipping costs are continuously going up. So it definitely is an incentive, especially for food. And there's some weight to that. And they also have access to some recipes that are not available to our a la carte customers. So some of them are a little bit more, I'd say they're a little bit more advanced or may have some cool new techniques that you can learn are typically subscriber only. So there's definitely some really cool stuff that our subscribers have access to.
1: Awesome. So you guys have really created a bundle around subscriptions. I mean, you're getting access to different things, those exclusive benefits, you're getting discounts on what you're already doing, then you're getting the free shipping on top of all of that. Any other perks that your subscribers get?
0: Yeah. So we're working on being able to provide even more tutorials and more kind of recipes and tips and tricks for our subscribers. Today, it's pretty much readily available, but we're working on creating some additional content that will be exclusive to subscribers.
1: Gotcha. So who is your target demographic here? Are you, are you targeting parents with kids to kind of baked together? Is it adults or is it exclusively kids? Like, who are you going after?
0: Yeah, so we see a lot of parents. Right now we're going after, age group is around 25 to 50-ish, typically that millennial age group who are really seeking convenience and seeking those experiences. It's really a demographic of people that it can appreciate that experiential side of a product. And, you know, looking to explore ways to enjoy new culinary aspects. We're finding majority of our customers are parents who have kids. Typically kids are between five and 15. And it's a really fun at home activity to do where, you know, no screen time. You're getting away from TV and phones and iPads. And you're really just having fun and honestly being, you know, learning something new, but with a really nice benefit of a baked good at the end.
1: Interesting. I think you kind of summed up pretty well there by saying it's the combination of convenience and experience because my daughter, nine years old, loves to bake. I think all the instructions and, you know, follow and go through step one at a time that she's very orderly and she loves that. But to your point at the beginning, sometimes do I have all of these ingredients or if I'm going to the store, am I going to buy a giant bag of flour and really all I need is a cup or two or something like that? Isn't cost effective and also a little frustrating. I mean, who really likes to go to the grocery store and And walk down the aisle. So you're kind of putting those two things together because the other alternative, kind of those bacon, uh, the the box cake mix or something like that, it almost does too much for you, right? So it's kind of like no one has found like that happy meat in the middle there where it's taking some of the headaches out of the way, but you still get the experience of actually having baked something from scratch, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's really what we were trying to get at that the box mixes are awesome. They taste great and they're really simple, but they really do take away the steps of baking from scratch. So if you're looking for the experience and you're looking for ways to learn techniques, a box mix is not going to do that for you. So, and we also found that going, walking down the baking aisle is super intimidating. Everything looks like it's from the 20s, 1920s. It needs a refresher and it's not easy to go down the baking aisle and not know what you're, you know, just to experiment. You kind of, you need to know, you need to have a recipe in hand. So we want to remove those barriers, remove that headache of having to do all the shopping and do all the research. And you know, it's already hard enough to find recipes you like, but to find even culturally diverse recipes and more globally inspired recipes is it's kind of impossible. So we wanted to put all of that aside and you just open your door when you get your shipment, it's already there. The only thing our customers provide are eggs, because we can't ship those and you know some of the baking tools, but otherwise everything is in your box.
1: Oh, that's awesome. How are you guys getting to market? I mean, you're talking about like hitting something that most consumers don't really think about. They think to go get the box, right? Or they think I've got to go to the internet, find a recipe, download it, go make my shopping list and go get all of the ingredients. So A, how are you educating on there's a different way and we have an offering here. And then how are you getting that message in front of them? What channels are you using?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing a lot of organic marketing through our email blasts, our network and social media. We're also actually partnered with some major corporations, which has really been wonderful. We've been able to put coupons in other major retail boxes, such as HelloFresh, Sur La Tabla, Me's Meals, which is a Chicago-based meal kit. We're also working with, actually working with major corporations for gifts. So companies like Microsoft, McKinsey, Deloitte, Accenture, they've purchased for holiday gifting, for client appreciation events, where something new and different, you know, we've all been very virtual for so long. That sometimes you need something a little bit different that's being gifted besides like swag and a bottle of wine or something. So we've been doing a lot of partnerships to spread the word and teach people about this option. And then naturally, social channels have been really, really successful. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest—we're active on all of those. We're experimenting now with TikTok, which is new space for me, and it's been really fun. So those are really the organic channels. And then in addition, paid strategy and paid medias. Naturally, a next step.
1: Yeah. So, have you dipped your toes into the paid media? Because the message that we keep talking about on the show is that those customer acquisition costs and what it costs to get in front of somebody, and then the amount of time it takes to recoup that or calculate into, in that into lifetime value is becoming more and more cost prohibitive. But so, it sounds like you got a good foundation in some of the organic channels, but how has been your experience on the other side so far?
0: Yeah, it definitely is a challenge. Paid strategy has been, customer acquisition is definitely high. We are, with subscriptions like ours, we luckily have a really nice, strong LTV. So we're seeing repetitive purchases for many, many months. Around like 10 to 11 is right now the the number we're looking at. But CAC is high. So I think the other challenges that come into play here are the data changes that are happening with Facebook and iOS that we have to keep on top of, essentially. So it's constantly a learning curve, to be honest. Like there's no right solution. As soon as you think you have it right, <laughs> something changes. Yeah. So we are just trying to keep educating ourselves. And our goal is really just to get in front of the right people and show people that there are more options because the customers that have tried us, they love it.
1: Well, when you implemented this subscription model, I guess, less than a year ago at this point and started with a transactional one, you know, we talk about this all the time. And I get this question all the time. is like, what am I not thinking about? Because the transactional model is pretty intuitive to most people, right? In terms of how that works. But what were some of the early lessons that you guys have learned about kind of transitioning or actually offering that alongside of your other model that maybe you weren't thinking about at the beginning or lessons that you've already learned?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the biggest thing that we probably didn't think about right away was just the fact that they are very different channels. So, and you know, one time purchase or an a la carte business and a subscription business are very different. And marketing costs, CAC, all those things are going to be different as well. So we just have to treat them differently as well. So advertisements, the type of messaging, like what we're selling to someone is likely going to be different if we're talking to someone who we want to bake with us every month or someone who's buying it once because they you know, want to do a holiday bake or they're gifting it for a birthday party. It's different messaging. So that's something that took us a few months to get used to when we launched so that we could really treat them as different channels and see which one is stronger. We're noticing naturally around holidays, the a la carte one-time business is going to spike. So we just are managing both channels right now as best as we can. Do you find
1: that you had to go like bring in some expertise for that new channel or was it re-education of yourself and the rest of the team? Or like, how did you work through that?
0: Yeah, a little bit of both actually. We actually just went through the Techstars Accelerator program, which is a global accelerator focused on startups. And so expertise from that mentorship and the alumni were really helpful with subscription. We do have some experts that have either invested in or actually were CEOs of subscription companies or consumer brands. So definitely mentorship and guidance and advice from wherever we can take it. I like to say that like I'm very, very open to learning from other people that have done this before or have seen successes elsewhere. That's the only way you can be a successful entrepreneur. But we also brought on team members that have seen these models before and can help us shed some light on what's the best way to do things. I just hired a marketing lead who's fantastic and is really helping us mitigate some of those paid strategy challenges. And we have an operations lead on the team as well, who's worked with meal Kits. So definitely has experience in that kind of the inventory management side and the operation fulfillment side of subscription.
1: Awesome. So learn yourselves, but supplementing the team where it makes sense and uh, grow that way. Yeah. It's great to have networks like Techstars that kind of been there, done that too, right? And can give you some of the advice or guide you down a, hey, don't go down this path or get, don't get yourself stuck here. What has been your strategy growing the technology side of your business, like your website, all of the back office systems and things like that? Do you find that the tools that you need to do that? There's a lot of great you know, vendors and platforms out there to do that. Or have you taken the road of, I, we want to build this stuff ourselves and kind of go on that organic technology path? What, what's worked for you guys?
0: Yeah, again, it's a little bit of both. We started off okay. with using templates. We started with Squarespace as a website, a platform. We were using PayPal and keeping it really, really simple. And then mm-hmm. as we grew and as the business got a little more complicated with subscription and with giving people that selection opportunity, we're continuously learning on what tools were going to be helpful. And we transitioned to WordPress and WooCommerce. And now we're Stripe as our payment processor. You know, you kind of just evolve and learn about what's going to be the next tool that helps us succeed further and takes us further. We really weren't at a stage to do a fully custom build. So we're really happy with how things are going right now with our site. Our subscriptions are, we give customers the opportunity to choose every month what they want for the next box. We needed to make sure that functionality was available on the site. So it's funny how much tech is involved in a retail company. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's like, we're constantly growing in that way and learning more, but it has been minimal to date, which is nice. And we leverage social channels like YouTube for any video content and TikTok and Pinterest and things like that. So that's been really great where we don't need to worry about that on the site because we can link back to an established brand that's already there.
1: Yeah. It's been fascinating. I myself have been in subscriptions for about twenty years, going all the way back to when you couldn't really buy a lot of this stuff; it didn't exist. So your only path really was to almost have to build it all on your own, and the amount of tech debt that you build up by doing that. And especially in the past five years, just the number of subscription-related companies that are just kind of focused on just that vertical has been amazing. I read an article today that the subscription billing and commerce industry was going to get to five point four billion in the next couple of years, but just that little piece of it right there is grown tremendously. So starting a business now is easier than it's ever been, albeit that sometimes the things that get you up and running quickly can sometimes put you in a corner because you're kind of forced to do things a certain way. So have there been any lessons you've learned early on here about, oh, I wish I hadn't gone down that path because it made it hard to do something different later? Have you had to learn that lesson yet?
0: Yeah, a little bit with the technology, to be honest. like We made the decision to start with Squarespace and then we learned pretty quickly that, as we grew into subscriptions and additional offerings, that it just wasn't going to work for us. So I think it's pretty natural that almost every year you're doing some sort of revamp to your website. I thought I could get further, but I was a victim of the same thing where it was like, okay, time to change the site. So we transitioned over to WordPress. We really assessed the Shopify side of things. I would have loved to be able to move over to Shopify, but I'm glad that I didn't make that decision where I would have had to transition off that again, just because there, to your point, like there's so many tools these days and plugins and add-ins that can make your tech and your business run smoothly. But some of the things that we're trying to do just was not possible. So we did have to go a little more custom in that regard. Uh, so we learned, we learned that pretty quickly.
1: To go a little bit deeper there, when you're evaluating options, like what are you looking for? Are you looking for specifically functions and capabilities of a particular platform? Are you looking for a high level of support and somebody that you can reach out to and get help from? Like, what are the things that are important to you?
0: Yeah, the first thing is functionality. So really thinking about from a customer standpoint, like, will they be able to manage their own account and make the selections and see their options similar to myself as a consumer with brands that I'm subscribed to? If that basic, you know, capability is not there, then we just have to move on from that. Once you get past that point, then definitely it's, I'd honestly say like the ability to communicate well with your developers and ensure that you're on the same page because we're speaking different languages. I'm not a technical person. So the way I ask for something is not going to be with the right terminology and the way they describe what they're doing back to me again, I'm going to be like, okay, wait, what? So it's like, can we communicate clearly? Do you understand what the vision is? And, you know, do we have the right expertise around me that's going to be able to accomplish that? given we are truly speaking different languages. And we definitely found a great partner that we're working with now that's a combination of development and then UX. And we have like a great team and really good communication. And we're actually in the process of a new look that's happening for the website soon in the next, actually in the next couple of days. So yeah, those are the most important things. And for me also, it's talking to several different people to understand the capabilities and the versions of what this could look like. So, and talking to technical people who kind of understand both sides and other founders and other consumer brands to be like, what are you using? Why did you make that decision? So I had a lot of phone calls like that prior to deciding.
1: Learning from others. Yeah. Do you bring your technical team into those vendor discussion conversations to get their take on if this is a good fit for us?
0: Yeah, if necessary. Typically it's my internal team that will join those calls and you know, for us to be able to discuss it as a team more clearly, just as opposed to like having to always relay that information. So yeah, definitely do that. I have some wonderful advisors and investors as well on my team that are always there if we have questions. So I typically bring them into those conversations.
1: So one thing when I was just kind of looking through the website and thinking about the consumer enrollment experience, you've got your subscribe now button right there on the front. That's fantastic. You've also got try it out. I'm curious what you see in terms of potential customers just ordering a kit first, like a one-off to see how it works for them before they commit to a subscription. Do you see that? Or do they? Do you see them just diving straight into a subscription?
0: Yeah, so we're actually testing that. We purposely okay. put both buttons on there because you really? totally understand the not wanting to commit to something you've never mm-hmm. tried before. I'm totally victim to that too. So the try, try Us gives you a very quick checkout process of here's our best selling options, try us out. And so we're seeing both sides, to be honest, and naturally, like we're incentivizing people on both sides to see what is driving them. Is it the offer and the promo, or is it truly the like fear of commitment? And we can help you out in both regards. And I speak to my customers all the time via email or via like chat and text, how we do our customer service and gather as much feedback as I can. Like, what are you looking for and how can we help you get there?
1: What have you seen in terms of that fear of commitment? Like what are the hurdles that are keeping them from becoming subscribers? Is it that, oh, I think it's going to be too hard to cancel or is it, I'm not sure if I'm going to use this or I'm not going to like the experience or what do you think those are and how are you guys overcoming it?
0: Yeah, typically from the people that I've actually spoken to. So this is a small sample size. It's just not knowing if they're going to bake that often. And that's totally understandable because it's um, depending on your lifestyle and what you like to do on the weekdays or how your work days look like, you may not have the time. So we're finding that some people want to kind of buy one off when they see something that they like versus subscribe, just so they don't have to pile up kits at some point in time where they're not making them, which is actually, we purposely solved for that by offering the bi-monthly and the quarterly so that you don't have to feel like they're piling up every month. And you can also change it yourself through the dashboard of the website. But yeah, we were finding that that was a major, major question of like, I don't know if I'll do this that often. And typically we don't hear people say, we don't know what the experience is going to be like because they have that option to try. So in that case, they'll try us out. They'll see if they like it. They maybe try a couple of times before they choose to subscribe.
1: Awesome. Well, that's also a very challenging problem, right? Because it's really a you, not a me problem. (laughs) I can't predict how much you're gonna use it, but you might be able to influence it some ways through engagement and things like that. So what are some of the ways that you guys tried to build a community around this product to get your customers engaged?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it. At the, you know, at the end of the day, like we all like you're it's so much more engaging when you feel like there is a community around it. So we're using our social channels to make that happen. We actually have exclusive influencer and creator partners who are baking with us every month and baking for us every month and showcasing product, who are really building communities around Bake it within their own followings. And then we're doing the same as well. We're consistently and continuously providing like baking hacks on our TikTok and Instagram accounts, showing you how the technique would look in real life. Because of course on the card, you see pictures, but it's not the real live feed. So we're giving, we want to educate people and give them some of those tips and tricks as well. So they feel more confident when they walk into the kitchen, especially for something that might be more advanced. So that's an important part of it for, in my opinion, I think being able to know that we have your back and the goal is for us, For you to be successful is that we're giving you all the tools to make this delicious bake at home that you may have never done before. It doesn't serve me well if a customer is not successful with a kit. So by giving them the tools, giving them as much information as we can about the recipe, the origin, why these ingredients are included, and the technique of the actual recipe itself is hopefully going to build some loyalty and and make them want to come back and try a new recipe. I'd say in addition to that, we're very seasonal every few months, we have a new slew of recipes that come out. So if you see something you like, it won't be there forever. So you've got to buy it.
1: Oh, there you go. It, time is of the essence, motivating oh, yeah. people that way, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you guys? I mean, you talked about a couple of things here today, but kind of what do you see for the next year for Bacon Box?
0: Yeah, we're really excited. So we're doing a lot more partnerships and a lot more small business bundles. So for holiday season, we're actually working with a best-selling author To create a bundle around her. It's a holiday book called the Ginger Snap Snatcher. And we have a Ginger Snap Snatcher cookie kit. You can make those cookies with the book or gift it to any family or friends that have kids. We're doing a lot more partnerships like that. We also just want to offer more items and more product. We are starting to, hopefully soon, we're going to be offering additional tools, additional products that you can add on. Maybe there's a birthday cake and you need some candles or you need a cake tray or a mixing bowl or or something along those lines. So we're working on some add-on, really value-add products for our customers, again, to save them the time of having to run to their local grocery store for something that they need to fulfill the kit that's already at their door. So that's a big part of our next step. And the holidays are coming. So we are really excited about being able to be in person for some holiday markets in Chicago specifically, there's a market called the one-of-a-kind show. It's like a four-day market that's huge. And you've got thousands of people come through. So it's great opportunities for us to meet our customers in person. So we're doing a lot of that through the holiday season and also starting some event-based purchases too. So if you're interested in doing a corporate event with your team or even with your family, we'd love to help you know fulfill that and jump online, jump on Zoom and walk through recipes with you we have all of these options that we're going to start to put online soon.
1: This is the time of year for that, right? Everybody starting oh, yeah. to think about those the holiday. Well, especially the corporate gifts. You got to get those out very soon, but that's a neat kind of different gift to your point. I mean, the typical bottle of wine or candy box or something like that is a little bit tired. Is there a specific type of corporate client that kind of makes more sense here or just anybody that wants to give a different kind of gift?
0: Yeah, not necessarily someone specific, but... Typically, corporates that have a lot of client base. So like we do a lot of law mm-hmm. firms, a lot of consulting firms, even realtors and real estate companies who's, who have a lot of clients where a lot of clients that will be families that are trying to celebrate at home. That's, that could be anybody. Yeah. We've also actually done just internal team events too, where not client related, but you want to celebrate your teams. You want to do something nice for your own team members and sending them a box or jumping online and baking together is a great way to do that. What's so interesting is even though we're way far past all of the pandemic stuff at this point, I think we all have a new appreciation for Zoom. I don't know about you, but I do a lot more video than I did a few years ago, just because mm-hmm. now we can and we're used to it. And so jumping on video with a friend of mine on the other side of the country, it's a great opportunity to incorporate in an activity and hang out a and
1: turn sure.
0: your like phone date into more of an activity online.
1: Interesting. Cool. Well, Shelly, I've really enjoyed the conversation here and everything that you've shared about your journey so far. If any of the listeners today have questions or want to learn more about Bake It Box, where can they go?
0: Absolutely. So the website is www.bakeitbox.com and that's box.com. or they can find us at info at bakeitbox.com and you can speak to me personally, email us, check us out online for sure. And we would love to help you with your gifting needs. Or just help you learn to bake more because there's some really cool recipes coming up.
1: Awesome. Well, I do think I found at least one of the gifts for my, for my nine-year-old this year. I mean, this sounds <laughs> right up her alley. So I'll definitely be, uh, you'll find me as one of the new subscribers. But Shelly, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time today.
0: Thank you, Nick. It was great chatting.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network.